Welcome wrestling fans worldwide to Knoxville and the Great Smoky Mountains for the Ron Fuller Tennessee Studcast. Six feet nine inches tall, 265 pounds. This historic podcast from one of the most respected and successful wrestlers and promoters will follow the footsteps of one of the largest and oldest wrestling families on the planet. The Tennessee Stud, Ron Fuller. Through 93 years and four generations. The Stud has arrived. Old school or new fan, this unique broadcast will educate and captivate as Ron details decades of professional wrestling's growth with truly unforgettable stories. I want those people out there at home to hear the stud. Sit back and enjoy the ride with the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud. You will learn that name. You will remember it. And now, the stud is here. Welcome in. David Summers hosting another Studcast with the Tennessee Stud, Ron Fuller. This is the only podcast on the planet documenting the real story of professional wrestling. It's 100 years of rich wrestling history as told by the Stud. Please welcome the originator of the Studcast, the man who changed the podcasting world with the Super Studcast. We step back into the ring, back into time with the Tennessee Stud, Ron Fuller, coming to us from the beautiful Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. What's up, Ron? Oh, man, uh, just uh, living the life, man. A little bit cloudy today, but still beautiful. And uh, just uh, enjoying it, enjoying the mountains, man. It's all the kind of a new experience for me. We are getting a tremendous amount of rain. It seems like every day here in Southeast Alabama and the Panhandle of Florida and Southwest Georgia for that, but we're getting a tremendous amount of rain almost every day. This has been a rainy, rainy summer. How does that compare to Tennessee? It rains here every night. It does it rain here every night. I don't know why that is, but days can be beautiful. And the nighttime, you're you're definitely going to wake up the next morning and find out it's rain. So, uh, and I've never seen that happen before either. And I mean, it's every night, not just most of them, but just about every night. So a little bit different, that's for sure. Yeah, it brings the temperatures down at night, too, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, and you wake up in the morning uh, in the 60s sometimes. That's cool. All right, listen, some big news that is happening on the Southeastern Rewind site on YouTube. You now have, of course, it started as an MP3, an audio file of Dory Jr. and Terry Funk, and they're being interviewed, of course, by Les Thatcher. But th- that was a couple of weeks back. But now the video of that interview has landed on YouTube. And remind us, what is it, about 25 or 30 years old? 27. 27 years okay. ago, uh, they did this interview. And uh, it's uh, it's a remarkable interview. Wow. They talk about so many things. And and as you said, it's now in video. And uh, there was a mistake made, and it wasn't put up in video originally. But for those people that uh, would like to go back, may have listened to it, it's probably still interesting to take a look at the Funk Brothers from 27 years ago. Uh, they've changed a little bit. Uh, actually, they've changed a lot, to be honest. And those that didn't listen to it, uh, you'll be able to see it all, uh, video and audio. And uh, and I hope you enjoy it. And we're still running uh, the old uh, the old archived uh, Tennessee Studcast. And uh, yeah. those things are it got a lot of listeners, and we do the Tell Me More show that you and I do, Dave, which I really, really enjoy. Uh, we just did number 10 for the 10th episode. Uh, number 11 episode just came up on YouTube today. And uh, then we're going to be in a couple of days uh, doing our, our uh, question and answer to that one. So it's been a lot of fun so far. I've really, really enjoyed it. And we're we're getting ever closer to having – starting to put up some of the uh, live television shows. Uh, We have one, actually, I think the first that's going to go up is an actual show, an entire show from 1978, the Southeastern Knoxville show. So I don't know how we got our hands on it, but uh, it is going to be shown uh, fairly soon. Uh, And yet, I don't know if uh, fans out there know, but uh, on YouTube, you have to scrub the music and uh, we were doing a lot of music back in those days, especially mm-hmm. when you opened the show and uh, in the bumpers in the old uh, Knoxville show. And all those have to be scrubbed, uh, you know, because of the 
the way that uh, YouTube uh, requires you to do when you put yeah. uh, put live events on their licensing on their platform. Yeah, licensing. Yeah, and listen, one thing has not changed about the Funk Brothers that I noticed on the video, and it's their attitude. But it was as fun to watch as anything you've ever seen with Terry Funk. He is just uh, to me. He just he is a funny guy. He was a vicious guy in wrestling circles, of course, as he was well known. But listen, it, it, it was a ton of fun to watch that. And and remember to find Southeastern Rewind on YouTube and then subscribe and then ring the bell. If you do that, the stud will ring your bell to give you reminders on when the greatest stories in wrestling will be dropped on YouTube, just like the Funk Brothers on video. So make yeah, sure you tell yeah. your friends about Southeastern Rewind. Yeah, yeah, and just to just as a reminder, and I want to thank all the fans out there. It's been pretty amazing. We are now over 800 subscribers. Kind of the magic uh, number is uh, around a thousand. You start to get some attention at that point. Uh, so we're getting close to that number, and uh, we've actually passed one one thousand hours of views, which uh, is another nice number. And I just want to thank everybody for your support so far. Uh, and uh, please be patient with us because we're just beginning here. Uh, we're going to start putting on wrestling shows here within the next month, and we will be a, you'll be able to go and see the original USA shows to begin with out of Knoxville. Uh, Gordon Soley and I are the commentators for those. Uh, the Armstrongs are real heavy in those in those uh, wrestling programs and wrestling shows and. It was a great little territory, had some tremendous talent in it, and uh, a lot of fans have never seen any of it. So uh, that's coming really soon. And uh, then we have that 1978 actual uh, Knoxville Southeastern uh, show in its entirety. So uh, thank you all very much for everybody listening out there, those that have gone and subscribed. And if you haven't, just go to YouTube, uh, Southeastern Rewind, and, and it'll put you right in there and give you the opportunity. And uh, thank all of you so much. I can't wait to see that you with the legendary Gordon Soley. And, and listen, I want to ask this. Can you remember if this was one of the last wrestling shows that Gordon Soley did back then versus when he, he left us? I know that uh, he was continually always worked on Florida Championship Wrestling. He was their commentator forever until, I guess, until he died. And I don't know if we, they were still in business when he died. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was one of the last uh, programs that Gordon yeah. was a part of. And uh, I think he was still working in Florida at the same time. But mm -hmm. I think he had cut down. He'd pared back greatly from doing uh, the Georgia Championship Wrestling shows. And wow, he was all over everywhere. You Boy, know? He, he makes the show for so many folks who just enjoyed watching wrestling. And then had, Gordon Soley was the easy chair for the whole thing. And it was so much fun watching him get those shows on there all right so hey stud where are we riding to today oh man we're, we're going back to my father's ranch uh, one last trip here and uh, last week uh, i wrestled this mark last week and uh, with this week uh, we're going to uh it's going to be uh our last few days there we're going to be discussing the purchase obviously of ohio and uh this training uh we're going to take a quick dive into the differences between the sheik's big time wrestling territory and the Southeastern Territory that I had created. And uh, we're going to discuss a little bit about the plan for uh, trying to purchase Ohio from the sheep. We're also going to focus on the July 8, 1977, the tremendous card in the Knoxville Parks and Amphitheater. The main event had one of the most unusual stipulations ever in the sport, probably, plus a loser leave. Southeastern match in the, on that card between Joel Duke and the Junkyard Dog. Norvell Austin, and we're going to learn the results of the card afterward, and we're also going to get the attendance uh, to everybody, and then we're going to answer that learning tree question that we didn't get to last week because the program was running long, and uh, the question was, when did you and the TV station receive the Arbitron and Nielsen books for wrestling, and what were the results of the May 1977 rating books? Mm. All right, so Stud, it sounds like you're going to do it to us again today. The purchase of Ohio, some kind of crazy rules for this week's main event, and a loser leaves match. Then, as you said, the learning tree question that we didn't have time for last week, 
We'll bring that in, finding out just how much Southeastern has grown on TV. Mr. Pickles and I are ready to hit the trail. How about you enlightening? Oh, man, we're always ready, Dave. Uh, and I got to compliment you on your horse, man. You got it going, man. You are you are right on top of things. And uh, and it just seems like these weekly rides, man, are just getting better and better. I mean, wow, this territory was cooking. And uh, every time I do one of these, I realize just how things were so alive and uh, and how successful we were being back in that time frame. And speaking of today, that's exactly where we're going to go and where we're going to bust out of that chute today. And we're going right into the old today's training. And uh, this one, back on my father's ranch, Bolivar, Tennessee. And uh, as I said just a second ago, those who listened last week heard that kind of a, I had a shoot. I, I called it a joke of a shoot. I mean, you know, because there was nothing to it uh, in, in Jackson, Tennessee, which is not far outside Bolivar, where my dad lived. And uh, following that night with my father, I stayed there two more days. I'd been there for about three weeks. I stayed two more days. And uh, we really started putting the screws into this Ohio venture that we were talking about and exactly what we're going to do to see if we could get our feet wet in Ohio. So we decided to take a tape, obviously, from the Southeastern TV stations and one of my shows to Cincinnati, part of the plan. We were going to go to Cincinnati because it was the closest city to Knoxville in Ohio. And uh, we're going to meet with the first station that showed an interest. So we're going to touch base with at least three stations and maybe four in Cincinnati. And my father was given, obviously, the task of tracking down the stations. That was his part of it. And I was going to provide the television show for the viewing. And the, the executives of those, whatever station is going to be, we're going to sit down at a big old... Uh, conference table and uh, we're going to discuss it they're likely to put that uh, show up on the screen so that everybody can see it and uh, that's the way that process worked so there are major differences or were really some major differences between southeastern wrestling the company and the sheik's big time wrestling uh, his talent was on average they were uh, many years older than the talent i had he was the top heel and uh, he was close to my father's age. So, he, you know, he had a little age on him at that point. And his top baby face was Bobo Brazil. And uh, he was also close to my dad's age at wow. that time. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, you, so you're looking at the two top guys there that are, you know, about to be over the hill. They were close to it. <laughs> and the style of wrestling within each of these companies was also dramatically different, uh, you know, because of his stars. You know, they, they're being much older. And then the, if, if the guys, if the older wrestlers just had a little different style than the younger guys, just like they do in today's wrestling, it's a totally different style than mm -hmm. the way we wrestle. But back in those days, if you were an older wrestler, you wanted to wrestle a little slower and you're act. So what they got up there in Ohio with the Sheik and big time wrestling was they got matches that were slower. Uh, there was a lot less action in them, and there was very little wrestling in that territory. They relied uh, more heavily on matches with lots of blood. That was the Sheik's <laughs> thing. Sheik liked a lot of blood, and uh, Sheik did most of his own booking. He tended to put himself in the spotlight pretty much every night. And and worse, uh, he, he wasn't a great booker. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't a creative booker. He just uh, put matches together, but he, he rarely did anything that shocked fans or surprised them. So fans of big time wrestling, they weren't accustomed to anything basically new happening very often. Uh, they were accustomed to older talent, slower matches, and uh, very few surprise angles. And uh, usually that made Jay, Dave pretty much for a, kind of a dull experience when you go to a match if mm -hmm. you've got that. If that's your package, uh, you, you could be in some trouble. And then in comparison, Southeastern, we were full of a lot of young guys, and both mm -hmm. heels and baby faces. Wasn't yeah. just on one side of it. Both both sides were a lot of young stars, up-and-coming guys, even ones that weren't young, let's say, it, were like Tony Charles, who were just magnificent, uh, you know, and, and so different than everybody else. So the matches were obviously at Southeastern more entertaining. We had lots of up and down movement in the matches, a lot of excitement. We had a lot of wrestling, 
And, uh, you know, in that first two years after I got there, and I realized that uh, there, it was kind of a blood and guts territory, kind of like the Sheik's wrestling territory, Knoxville was, I kind of force-fed the fans a lot of wrestling for two years. The Danny Hodges and the Dale Lewis's and the, a lot of great wrestlers, that they, they had to watch a lot of wrestling. So I had become familiar, obviously, though, with how to switch an audience from the blood and guts style to be successful with the wrestling style. Uh, I did it uh, between 1974, 75, by 1976, and now in 77, we have a lot of knowledgeable wrestling fans out there. So probably the biggest difference between the two companies was the booking. Uh, the Sheik, you know, he had become old and stale uh, with his booking, obviously. And, uh, and Rob and I, we'd been pushing the envelope, man. When it came to Anglos and Southeastern Wrestling, we were doing things that nobody had ever done. So matches were filled, obviously, in Southeastern with younger talent. They were faster paced. They had surprise finishes and angles here and there and everywhere. And uh, it just made it more thrilling for fans to come and, and watch wrestling. Wait a minute, Stud. Are, are you saying that the young girls were not screaming when Bobo Brazil was coming down the aisle? Well, I don't know if they were. I can't <laughs> say that they weren't screaming for him, you know, but... Uh, well, uh, there might have been a lot of older ladies who were screaming for him too, though. But they were probably more inclined with young guys like what you had running to the ring, and the and the girls were just uh, going crazy. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> there were there were other reasons uh, other than the young guys being great wrestlers to have them on the card because they they, they went on TV and a lot of a lot of uh, young girls at home were kind of swooning, yes, and they were like, "Wow, isn't he handsome?" So uh, it didn't hurt anything. That's right, for darn sure. Right. You know? Okay. So, so I'd been away basically, Dave, at this point for three weeks from my wrestling company, longest period since I'd opened it, October 1974. And uh, I'm going to be back at the matches on this next card, the one we're talking about in this studcast today. And all three of the Knoxville shows since I left had averaged over 6,000 a show. Uh, we were on an unprecedented run, man. And uh, we had some new guys in the crew. Everybody was over. We had the angles cooking. And uh, for the future, South Southeastern was a territory on the move, man, back in those days. Really, really on fire. Uh, and just one more thing, Dave. Uh, when the appointment was going to be made in the coming months to take that trip to Ohio, and my father and it's going to come to Knoxville, and we're going to ride together and take that tape into Cincinnati, Ohio, and mm -hmm. to a television station there. And ironically, you know, and this is really ironic, that that trip from Knoxville to Cincinnati is going to become a regular one for me 13 years later. Wow. Not, not for wrestling, but for an entirely different sport. I'm going to own a hockey team in Cincinnati, <laughs> Ohio. And be making that trip, uh, wow, uh, two two times a week, sometimes three. Wow. All right. So a great today's training, Stud, with a lot of wrestling education and using it to a point toward your future was pretty cool. So where do we go to next? Well, let's give everybody a look at this card, man. This Knoxville card on Friday night, July 8, 1977. We're in the amphitheater in Chihuahua Park. We haven't had rain. We have been lucky. Uh, so we're getting that uh, that big facility, man, that we that can hold as many, maybe a little more than what the Coliseum can hold. So George McCrary, uh, who had been back and forth in and out of Southeastern, he's returning. He's going to be here for a few weeks, and he's going to take on Mike Pappas, who is a Greek wrestler, a pretty good Greek wrestler, that uh, it's his third week in, in Southeastern at this point. And then there's a special 30-minute time limit for the second match because it was a 20-minute time limit, and it was a draw last week. That was Ron Wright against the pro. And uh, obviously, this is going to be another good match, and, then, and they've extended the time to 30 minutes. Uh, there's a loser-leave Southeastern match on this card. Jola Duke is against the junkyard dog Norvell Austin. Southeastern Tag Championship match. Uh, the title can change hands because a couple of weeks in a row, uh, Rob and Tony Charles had Mr. Knoxville and Bob Wharton Jr. beat, and uh, they got themselves intentionally disqualified. And in this rare occasion, uh, if they get disqualified, the title can change hands to Robert and uh, Tony Charles. 
And we got the same rule as that in the last match, the main event, Southeastern Championship match. And this one uh, is a disqualification. You lose the belt if you're disqualified. But this one has more rules to it. This is a handicap match. For one thing, it's one guy against two. And that's guy, that one guy is Bob Armstrong, and he has to wrestle both the Mongolian Stomper and Gorgeous George Jr., mm-hmm. uh, which uh, that that uh, is really, really a tough, tough, tough deal. But mm-hmm. then if uh, Gorgeous George Jr. and the Stomper can't beat Bob Armstrong in the first 10 minutes, then Bob Armstrong gets to take Gorgeous George Jr. as his manager and maid and whatever he wants him to do he has his services for seven days. So Bob Armstrong would get George's services? Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay. That's basically okay. it. I mean, if uh, they can't beat Bob Armstrong in the first 10 minutes, even right. if he loses after that, he still gets gorgeous George as his valet. or And he'd okay. use him whatever he, he wants to use him for for seven days. That's cool. All right. Another great card, Ron. A loser leaves Southeastern. With Joe LaDuke versus Norvell Austin, I could give you a wink on that one. And the Armstrong versus Stomper match with Armstrong having the potential of getting, and does he really want gorgeous George Jr. to manage him for a week? So I assume that that also means anything he wants uh, Gigi to do for seven days. Yes, sir. That would be, uh, as an example, clean his toilet. Oh, yeah. 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 Great well, job for Gigi. Right? Mow the lawn. Mow the lawn. Yeah. yeah. With his teeth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, All yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, so this thing has legs. It really does, man. So uh, that's exactly what it meant, man. Bob had, had to last at least 10 minutes without getting beat. And if he wins that, then he gets to take Gigi and have him do anything he wants to for a seven-day period of time. So, uh, uh <laughs> Kind of crazy. Uh, very, I don't know if it, we had the only match like that in history, but uh, I know that they weren't having that type of matches in very many places. When I was a kid, I used to love these unique special stipulations, and, and this one you and Robert came up with was was pretty cool. I, I remember all the different kinds of matches, and we were like, oh, my God, somebody's going to get their hair cut tonight. So anyway, I can only imagine what Armstrong might do if he wins gorgeous George Jr. for seven days. So what happened on TV on Saturday, July 2nd, 1977, after the matches the night before in Knoxville? Well, it was the first Saturday in July, 1977, and that happens to be another rating month. So the July book is the probably the least important book of the four books that they did every year because it was in the summer and a lot of people weren't at home and uh, especially on saturday afternoons they're not going to be home much watching tv uh, although we kept probably more people at home than any other show uh, that was for sure but july was one of the four months every year that was a rating month and uh, this was the first of our four weeks in this july rating book and the results are are going to obviously come out from the books the two books in august and uh, we'll be talking later in this studcast about the results of the May book that just took place a month earlier, actually two months earlier now. And uh, we're going to get those Arbitron and Nielsen ratings in the learning tree today. So last week we had that great TV. It had that shocker ending, man, with the tug of war and in comes the stomper and all hell broke loose. And, <laughs> and, it, and you know, so the, this, the show, this show is going to open with that unforgettable footage, man, and the actual audio live from that encounter. The show will come on the screen as soon as they, uh, they roll the credits and uh, the, the two wrestlers lock up in, the, in the, uh, the introduction that we had to our wrestling program. Then it came right out of that. Joe Duke has got the handcuffs around his biceps, and he, he's got five guys on each side, and Les says go, and... Uh, just as soon as it begins, obviously Stomper has come screaming into the ring, man, and all hell broke loose. And the video continued until Bob Armstrong hit the rig and it forced the Stomper to retreat, uh, you know, and after he had already done quite a bit of damage to Joe LaDuke and he scared the heck 
out of an entire studio of people. So Les, you know, kind of waited to this all, you know, we kept the audio and the video, the, the real stuff, and he waited to speak until it was all over. And that video kind of spoke for itself. <laughs> Nobody could explain it better than what people were actually seeing. So after it was over, Les apologized. He had Joe LaDuke sitting there with him, and he apologized to Joe right off the bat for what had happened last week. And uh, Joe, you know, always being the Mr. Nice Guy, man, he was so good at it. You know, he, he said, uh, uh, you know, Les and, and, and people at Southeastern, it wasn't any of y'all's fault. You know, and he said, obviously, it was something that the Stomper and his his uh, manager, Gorgeous George Jr., had discussed and wanted to do. And, you know, he said, uh, you know, it, they, they're the only ones responsible for it. So let's apologize again. And he thanked Joe for, for wrestling live on TV. This would be the first time in three weeks this TV show that Joe's going to actually wrestle live. He's been doing these uh, feats of strength, and uh, he's not had to be on the actual ring. This uh, this show, he is in the ring. And, they, you know, it's a very unusual uh, handicap match in this ring, in this match today. He's wrestling against two guys by himself today. So then. Uh, he invited uh, Joe after they did a little brief thing of showing what happened at the end of last week's show. He thanked him for being on here today, and he sent him to the ring, basically. And he said, but Joe, please come back afterward, because I want to show part of what happened in the battle roar last night. So LaDuke, man, was getting over. Gosh, man, uh, you know, it was amazing how, how much the fans just were attracted to Joe LaDuke. And he wore his, his short-legged lumberjack jeans, man, into the ring. <laughs> and he demolished two 300-pounders, Tony Good Peters God. and Don Lambert, both over 300 pounds. Wow. And he finished both of them off with his bear hug. He made <laughs> them both give individually with his bear hug. And it didn't last probably five minutes. So, I mean, <laughs> Joe was a, wow, he was scary, you know, and so then he returned to the set with Les, and uh, he wasn't even breathing hard when he got there, you know. And Les welcomed him back, and he told fans they were going to see some of the very important third annual Battle Royal from the night before, and that's where the winner was presented a check for $5,000. So the vid video began with a shot of Joe LaDuke, and he's he's got three guys on him, the Mongolian Stomper, Gorgeous George Jr., and Norvell Austin, and they're all – Three got him on the top rope. He's about to be eliminated. So Joe pointed out to Les right away, you know, he was like amazed with video. You could tell he's not accustomed to seeing video done in wrestling shows. And so, he, you know, he says, gosh, man, that's a perfect place to start, Les. He goes, like it's by accident. Les says, oh, it's okay, Joe. We set it up so that we could see you the way we wanted to. But Joe made the point, you know, that he wasn't eliminated illegally and from the battle royal, and that this this shot right here with the three of them trying to put him out is proof of that, because Norvell Austin had already been eliminated, came back to the ring. Gorgeous George Jr. wasn't even in the battle royal at all, and he's in the ring trying to help Stomper throw him out. And the only guy that was legal in the ring other than Joe was the Mongolian Stomper. So Joe's getting excited about all this. And the Les says, hey, Joe, hey, Joe calm down. Hey, <laughs> we're just glad to have you here, you know. And he says, we're going to back it up. We're going to show everything. And Joe was like, oh, geez. Like, you you can back it up. <laughs> you, you mean we're going to see more? And Les says, yeah, we're going to see more. So <laughs> they backed the video up. And uh, then Joe even apologized for being so excited. Sorry, Les, I got so excited. He said, I've never seen the television program that has so many gadgets and, and things on it. He wow. goes, I can't believe all this stuff that you're showing here. You know, I mean, and, and, yeah. and most wrestlers hadn't seen this type of stuff in 1977. Yeah. yeah. They, they all, we got that from a lot of great stars that wrestled all over the world. When they came, they were like, oh, my God, you got instant replay. Hey, what's that split? You got two two screens. Do you, you, yeah. What is that? I mean, they. We were doing so many things that guys had never seen. So Joe's kind of blown away by all this, but then they get back into watching what happened, that how they got to the point to where Joe was about to be eliminated. 
And then Joe explained their cadence. It showed Norvell Austin coming back to the ring after the match was there was down to him and the Mongolian stomper. Obviously, Gigi's out on the concrete and doing the managing. One of the referees got hurt and early on in this battle royal, and then the second one got knocked down in the end of the battle royal and hurt. So Austin just jumped in the ring. Uh, LeDuc's got Stomper uh, up on the rope, top rope, and he's about to win the battle royal. It's about to be over. And Austin jumps in the ring, and he goes over, and he nails headbutts him. In fact, Joe LeDuc in the back of the head. While LeDuc is in the process of winning the battle royal and getting Stomper out of the ring, and uh, it didn't even hurt Joe. <laughs> in the video, he didn't. He just dropped Stomper onto the mat inside the ring, and he turned and he went for Austin. About that same time, Joe got his hands on Austin, gorgeous George Jr. popped in the ring. And he had earlier in the night gone into his uh, his little jumpsuit that he wore every week, and he put something on his hand, and he hit Bob Armstrong with it. And he pulls out that same thing again, and he hits Joe from behind with it. And uh, it, it doesn't even phase Joe. Joe just drops Austin, and he goes for Gigi. He had them both down. He had bumped them both. Uh, he had knocked them both around a little bit. And uh, Stomper got up, and Stomper kind of kicked him in the back from behind. And and uh, and then the other two got up, and they all three of them then got on him. And they got him over to the edge of the ropes. And uh, they once they got him up to uh, about the edge of the ropes, that referee started to get up, and all of a sudden, Gigi nudged the uh, the, the junkyard dog and said, "Hey, we got to go. We don't want to. We don't want to see the Stomper get disqualified here." So they popped out of the ring. Stomper bumped the Leduc over the top rope and down on the concrete. And the referee never saw the other two dudes, so he had to ring the bell. He got the money, and uh, showed the Duke uh, come popping back into the ring before Stomper and Gigi could collect their check. Joe Leduc came after him, and when he did, they ran. And once they ran and left, there's the guy, the announcer, he's holding the check. And uh, he was announced, ladies and gentlemen, the winner is the Mongolian Stomper. And, uh, and and can you come back here? And the Stomper didn't come. He wasn't coming back. Joe LaDuke sat there. And Joe just reached over and took the check. <laughs> uh, so, All right. So, you know, uh, you know, and, and so Les says, you know, uh, Joe, uh, the Southeastern officials asked me to ask you if, if you still have that check. And uh, Joe said, yeah, I do. And he says, I, I got it right here in the back of my pants. And he reached back and he pulled the check for 5,000 out of his pants. And, uh, and he was still very polite. He said, do, do, do they want me to give it back to you? And, uh, <laughs> and he handed it to Les. He handed him the check. And Les said, uh, <clears throat> he said, no, Joe. He said, the Southeastern officials, watched all this and he goes they really haven't made up their mind yet what to do about this he said there was definitely interference in this battle royal you were thrown out illegally i mean uh, why you know well they don't know who to give the check to now but he said so joe got a big old grin on his face man and the, the studio popped they like wow this is cool joe's gonna get the money so and then he even said the less something like are you kidding less <laughs> Are you serious that they may let me keep this five thousand yeah, dollars? Well, and Les says, "Well, Joe, for right now, he says you can keep it, but uh, they don't want you to spend it. You know, just uh, <laughs> just you can hang on to it, but don't spend it yet." Joe got another big old grin on his face, and he said something like, "Boy, I love this southeastern wrestling. <laughs> this is the best company I ever wrestled for." <laughs> wow. So, so he got up, he put the check back in his back pocket, and then he left the set, man. And boy, the audience was just thrilled as he was, man. Still got that 5000 in his pocket. So Gorgeous George Jr., Junkyard Dog, Austin, Mongolian Stomper, before Les can close out the segment, they come running out to the set, and the GG is screaming, man, where is my money? They, what that's my money that's my stomper's money you know and uh les just kind of ignored them and said oh well we're going to take a break and they went off screaming we went to black screaming first interview that was gorgeous george jr austin and stomper they're already at the set so they just stayed there Jola duke uh, was in studio b gg was insanely 
screaming about his stompers money, man, that the Southeastern officials had no business in letting Joe LaDuke hold their $5,000. You know, he's going to spend our money. So the junkyard dog said, you know, guys, you don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. GG says, I'm going to make us all happy Friday night. He goes, I'm going to beat that ignorant lumberjack Joe LaDuke to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> he started in there like he's a real badass, you know. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to run Joe LaDuke out of Southeastern next Friday night. And like a good junkyard dog, he says, I'm going to bite his big butt all the way back to Canada. <laughs> 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 uh, everybody I can't imagine the crowd the crowd that seemed to even get a laugh out of it so when it came Joe's time he didn't have a whole lot to say you know he started out real slow and they're over there still going crazy he's got our money he's got our money you can still hear him and he reached back and he got the check out and he waved it in front of him he says hey is this what you guys want you know and boy they exploded again man and then he said something about lumberjacks. He made a little joke about lumberjacks in Canada. And he says, uh, you know, he said, sometimes lumberjacks in Canada have to get rid of junkyard logs, not dogs. <laughs> he said, we don't have any junkyard dogs. He said, we got junkyard logs. He says, and they're rotten and they stink like a skunk. And he said, <laughs> he said next Friday night, he said, I'm going to beat the skunk out of that junkyard log. <laughs> and he says, then I'm going to roll him right out of Southeastern. <laughs> wow. So, good interviews. Oh, no doubt. There's a heck of a lot of things happening on this TV show from the night before. And, and there, there's got to be a lot more coming, right? Uh, yeah, there is, man. Uh, in fact, the, the next live match had had somebody that was in some of these videos and the junkyard dog, uh, Norvell, he got his shot in the ring, man. And uh, when he went to the ring, uh, Gigi went with him. Now he's got Gigi managing him, and I assume, and like everybody else, the Gigi's going to be managing him following Friday night. But Norvell went, man, Norvell went ballistic. He turned into an animal. He just uh, tore into the young baby face he had, man, and he, he hit him twice with one of those diving headbutts, which are really, really good-looking moves, man. And he pulled him up from the pin on the first one. He hit him with it again, threw him in and hit him with it again. He was there to prove that he's man enough to, to face Joe LaDuke, and obviously he's going to have GG in his corner the following Friday night. Mm-hmm. So Ron Wright, he got the fans up, man, because he came to the set for the second interview, uh, and he had a 20-minute time limit draw with the pro the night before like i said earlier this time they got this 30 minute time limit pro was in studio b and boy these two guys were having great matches with each other Mm. wow that's pretty awesome right there okay so i'm pretty sure there's a personality profile coming up stud right oh yeah all right i think we're at a good point let's take a break because the personality profile always brings a lot to the table So let's do that, and we'll do that in moments when this studcast continues right here. Stay with us. If you live in the southeastern U.S. and you're a fan of wrestlers from around the world, you need to be in Charlotte, North Carolina this weekend. The Stud will be appearing at The Gathering on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, July 23rd, 24th, and 25th for one of the biggest wrestling events in the world. Look him up at the Hilton University Place in Charlotte, North Carolina. He'll be greeting fans and offering everything from seven different photos, t-shirts, brand new Tennessee Stud masks that have never before been offered, and his red hot novel brutus get yours autographed by the man himself see the stud at the gathering this weekend don't forget to subscribe now at youtube southeastern rewind settle up early enjoy the original archive studcast and the very popular tell me more question and answer show that follows each studcast three days later ride with the stud at tnstud.com and on youtube look for southeastern rewind all right, welcome back in David Summers with the Tennessee Stud, Ron Fuller, on another incredible storytelling studcast. And remember to find Southeastern Rewind on YouTube. Subscribe, ring the bell to get reminders on when the greatest stories in wrestling will be dropped 
on YouTube. And be sure to tell your friends about Southeastern Rewind. And right now, the video is there. A lot of folks are finding it and hitting it up. Dory Funk Jr., Terry Funk. It's about 45 minutes, maybe a little bit more. It's on YouTube now, and you'll find it under Southeastern Rewind. So don't miss it if you can. All right, so who is on the personality profile, Stud? What's coming up? Well, I'll tell you, man, uh, I got to admit, man, you and Mr. Pickles, you boy, y'all are a smooth team now. You know, you both seem, man, to always know where we're headed next, man. You got that personality profile uh, figured out. And uh, so this profile, and you're right about this one as well, this one has got another fan favorite on. It's Bob Armstrong's day on the profile. And he had been robbed the night before by Gorgeous George Jr., for the Southeastern title. He should have been the Southeastern champion when he comes on this profile. And Les begins the profile with the video. The end of that match was for the championship from the night before. Bob was commenting over it, and it showed the stomper colliding with the referee. Then Bob hit him with one of those, now, I'm going to call it the now famous Georgia jawjackers, man. I mean, <laughs> he hit him one of them big right hands. Stomper had already... Uh, collided with the referee, but he didn't go down. And when he turned around, uh, boy, did uh, <laughs> Armstrong put him down, man, like a tree cut by a chainsaw. He just, wow, he was gone. And uh, Bob covered him for the win, you know, or it appeared to be the win, you know, and they're watching right there on TV. There's no, no movement out of the stomper. Bob's on top of him. Uh, but the referee isn't there to count him out. And uh, gorgeous George Jr., sees this opportunity, and he does something that he had not done before. He wears these flowery jumpsuits. Crazy. <laughs> I don't know where he got that stuff from. But anyway, he reaches in his pocket, and this time he pulls out something, and he puts it on his hand, and he nails Bob Armstrong, who's laying on top of the stomper in the back of the head. Bob doesn't see him in the ring at all. And uh, then he switches the power. Bob rolled off, holding the back of his head, and the GG just kind of pulled a stomper on top of him. And uh, and then he jumped out of the ring. And uh, the referee never saw him at all. The referee crawled over there and began to count. But before he actually counted Bob out, Joe LaDuke, here came Joe LaDuke, man. He slid into that ring. And, I mean, he booted the stomper right off of Bob Armstrong. Wow. And uh, this, now people have to remember that the Saturday before this event there, uh, Joe LaDuke got attacked by the stomper while he's trying to do a 10-man tug-of-war. So LaDuke's, he's starting to get even with what the heck the stomper did to him on the Saturday before. So Les stopped the video at that point. And he told Bob that the Southeastern officials were very upset with the action Gorgeous George Jr. resorted to in this event, you know. And as well as the Battle Royal, which they had showed earlier, he got involved in that one, too. And they had decided that a punishment was due to Gorgeous George Jr. for both of these matches that he had gotten involved in. Mm -hmm. So Bob asked Les if this had anything to do with Joe LaDuke earlier in the show, being able to, for the time being, at least, as, as, as the way you described it, Les, keep the Stompers Battle Royal money. <laughs> So Les answered, yeah, that, that was kind of part of the decision by the Southeastern officials. That's a little bit of punishment right there, you know. And he says the, the rest of the decision is going to be announced next week on the show. So then Bob asked the obvious question. He says, well, then, uh, why am I on the profile? <laughs> right. Like, right. Well, what am I What am I doing here, right? So uh, Les smiled, and he said, you know, the officials had made a decision about your match the night before. And when Gigi got involved in your match, and then Bob kind of began to set up straight and pay a little more attention now. And Les said, Bob, you, you know that the Southeastern officials sometimes come up with these most unusual kind of matches, and they think you deserve another shot at the title. Now, when this stuff is going down, Bob doesn't know what the card is yet. So he doesn't know that he's getting another shot at the title, and he certainly doesn't know in any of these other stipulations. Les says, you know, the Southeastern officials think you deserve another shot at the title, but they wanted to do it in a very unusual way. They want you to wrestle the stopper again for the Southeastern belt, but this time 
because of Gorgeous George's interference, they want him in the ring too. Wiki. <laughs> okay. Right? Another yeah. punishment for Gigi, right? And then he says, uh, and they're giving you another chance to win the belt and get even for what happened to you last night. So Bob, now he's he's kind of getting his, as his wife used to say, he's getting pep in his step. You know, he's a no dancer anyway. He's 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 feeling good. So he, like everybody else out there watching, couldn't figure out what kind of match the officials had had chosen. You know, so Les picked up on it and he got right to the point. He said, "You're going to be in a handicap match with both the Stomper and Gorgeous George Jr." And then he, and you know, Bob was like, "Well, you know, that ain't the greatest of things." You could see it in his face and a little disappointment. But then Les continued and he says, "You'll be one man against two. But if they fail to beat you, Bob, in the first 10 minutes of that match, no matter what the outcome, whether you win or lose the match, you're going to get the opportunity to take George's George Jr. home with you and, 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 and serve whatever purpose you want him for seven days in a row. <laughs> and the studio audience popped. And so did Bob. <laughs> He's like, whoa, yeah. You know, he got this huge grin on his face and he looked at Les, you know, and he had a smile and he asked you, if I don't get beat in the first 10 minutes of the match, you want to make sure you got that part of it? If I don't get beat in the first 10 minutes of this handicap match, I get to have gorgeous George Jr. with me and he has to do anything I ask him to for an entire week. And the crowd popped again. And Les closed out the profile. He verified that it was going to take place six days later. Handicap Southeastern title match, Stomper and Gigi versus Bob Armstrong. If Armstrong doesn't get beat in the first 10 minutes, he gets to keep Gigi for a week and he can make him do anything he wants. So. <laughs> that's just, to me, that's just genius. That's called building the storyline. And Bob Armstrong, that, that's kind of unexpected, obviously. So listen, that's that's really cool. I've never heard of anything like this for a match. So, but how did Gorgeous George? feel about this match well well every everybody in the home that's a good question dave and <laughs> everybody at home and the, and the studio found out the answer to that question as soon as the the personality profile ended and they they started to do the next live match robert fuller and tony charles were going to wrestle against jerry Stubbs and dennis condry and here came gg and stomper to the set gg was demanding he was he was just he was screaming that who was responsible for putting together this kind of stupid match. He goes, no one's ever going to get the rights to me. You know, <laughs> you can't give me away. He said, my father turn over in his grave. <laughs> if he knew what you're trying to do to me here. And he, so he just kept protesting, man, during the whole match. They, they introduced, they rang the bell. The match was going on. He wasn't leaving. He just wouldn't stop. You know, and he, he had all these things to say, man, about, uh, you know, the reasons that this is ridiculous that anybody would ha ask him to do that, you know. And he ended up saying about the time that Rob and them won the match, he ended up saying because he knew that this segment was over, he said, uh, you know, nobody can treat me like a puppet or a slave or <laughs> what's going on here. <laughs> so, so Rob and Tony, they came to the set after Gigi and Stomper. Finally left. They left as soon as they saw the match was over. Rob and Tony came to the set. Mr. Knoxville and Bob Orton Jr., they made their replies from Studio B. So Bob was live on the last match of the show. Third week in a row, Bob Armstrong had been live on the last match of the show. And he was more on fire than anybody had ever seen him. And the fans were too, man. And it didn't take him long to jack another jaw. And then he went to the set with Les. Gorgeous George Jr. and the Stomper went to Studio B. And uh, Gigi started to deal off. And he insisted that he would never cow down to a person, much less a man like Bob Armstrong, that he was absolutely insulted, that, that he, was, he seemed to be a pawn in the chess game. <laughs> and, he said, and obviously the only way for him to keep from being humiliated and and uh, embarrassed was for him and Stomper to beat Bob Armstrong unmercifully in the first 10 minutes of the match. There you go. Right? Yeah. Is that way my Stomper is still champion and I don't have to go anywhere with Bob Armstrong. 
to be Bob's toy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, 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 he did not want to be, I think that's the way he put it. Yeah. I don't want to be Bob Armstrong's toys. You know? <laughs> so, and so when it came Bob's time, oh, was he ready, man? He he couldn't, you could tell he couldn't hardly wait to get his shot. And he thanked the Southeastern wrestling, wrestlers and officials for coming up with this tremendous idea, he goes, man, and that, that there's no way the stomper and his sissy little manager, Gigi, could beat him in less than 10 minutes. He said, I'd like to know, though, and I'd like to ask the, <laughs> ask the officials, man, if I beat Gigi, then the stomper's belt would go to Bob. He says, this is great. He goes, if I, what if I win? If I win the match, I'm going to win stomper's belt, and I'm also going to get Gigi to be my maid for a week. You know, and then the fans are going crazy Why Gigi was on the other side. He was going crazy on the other side of the screen interview. And then Bob finished it up by asking Liz. He said, do you think the Southeastern officials would give me a cameraman for seven days if I win GG? He says, I, I'm already making this list up in my mind, the dirtiest and nastiest jobs that I could ever give a prissy son of a famous gorgeous George. He goes, <laughs> he goes, I can't, he goes, I can hardly wait until the fans see what I'm going to do with gorgeous George Jr., man, in seven days. Mm. Well, they, they, they had to sign off on that, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, what are they going to do? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he earned it. You know, he'd gone uh, in two matches in a row. I thought, uh, you know, it yeah. made sense for that to be. That's pretty. Uh, that's a pretty good punishment. Yeah. All right. So th this little idea was adding something most unusual to the regular wrestling. You, you and Robert were really taking wrestling where it had never been before. So what were the results of this card, especially this match with Bob Armstrong? Well, Mike Pappas, uh, he beat uh, George McCrary. The pro beat Ron Wright, but he, he couldn't ragdoll him like he had been almost all his other opponents since he'd come to Southeast when he wasn't able to put him to sleep and then jerk him up and down and, and to swing his arms around and do all that. That didn't happen for him. Uh, Joe LaDuke uh, beat the junkyard dog. And Norvell Austin was gone from Southeastern. Uh, it was the second run of Norvell in Southeastern wrestling since he showed up there in uh, early 1975. Uh, Mr. Knoxville and Bob Orton Jr., they won their Southeastern title match with Robert and Tony Charles. They weren't disqualified. Uh, so, they, you know, they didn't have to worry about uh, losing the title if they were disqualified. But they were assisted by a never-before-seen in Southeastern, huge black fan came out of the crowd and entered the ring when the referee was on the far side of the ring with uh, Tony Charles mm. and um, Orton and Garvin, uh, Mr. Knoxville. And this black guy came in. Uh, Rob was trying to get up on his feet. He, he put him into a, a – grabbed him in a neckbreaker and then gave him an inverted neckbreaker and left the ring. Wow. Referee turned around. Rob's still laying there. He never saw it. And uh, the referee uh, counted Rob out and uh, right in the middle of the ring. So, Holy cow. So, I mean, that had to be kind of shocking. So, But let me get this straight. A, a black fan from the audience gets in the ring during the match, puts a wrestling move on your brother that won the match for Mr. Knoxville and Bob Orton Jr. That's it. Okay. That's exactly what happened. Uh, okay. Somebody that nobody knew, nobody had ever seen before. Uh, obviously, he knows something about wrestling. You know, he didn't come in there and start throwing punches. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, so after the neck breaker was applied, Robert never got back on his feet. They had to carry him to the dressing room. He did. The guy did a pretty good job on him. So mm -hmm. uh, Bob Armstrong didn't win the Southeastern title. But he did last that 10 minutes, man. And that, oh. and it was kind of funny how he did it because, uh, you know, he had the two guys he had to beat, and they both wanted to get him so badly in that first 10 minutes. They knew he only had 10 minutes. As he basically ran, he would just go out of the ring, and they would come to get him. He'd get into the ring, and they'd come <laughs> to get him. He'd go back out of the ring. And yeah. he, just, he just killed off the 10 minutes, and that's all he wanted to do anyway. And then he got his prize, which is Gorgeous George Jr. So on the next week's TV, Gorgeous George Jr. is going to be Bob's man. 
<laughs> made, man, toy, whatever you want. Yeah, plaything. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that's that's cool. What was the what was the attendance? And listen, I really have more questions about this this fan. For, but go ahead. Uh, well, as I said a few weeks ago, when you know when we moved out to the park, the attendance numbers uh, were were always kind of incomplete. You never you never knew where they were solid and, and absolutely correct like they were in the Coliseum. The park's attendance showed the crowd at 5,800, and uh, both Rob and uh, Les uh, were there and, and saw it. They said it could have been more, but it, it probably uh, wasn't much less than 5,800 if it was smaller than that. So they said it was very close to the week before. All right. So I think it's time to take a seat under the learning tree. We did not get to the question from last week, Stud. So what was that? Remind us of that and, and set it up for us once again. Who asked that? Okay, uh, so a gentleman named Jeremy Miller asked, when did you and the TV station receive the results of Southeastern Wrestling and the Arbitron and Nielsen books for the May 1977 period, and what were they? So the books uh, always arrived about a month after the rating period closed out. So they were there uh, last week. We didn't get to talk about it. But uh, to say the least, the numbers were outstanding. Uh, you know, and I was invited to join the TV management in their meeting when the books were open, uh, which was quite an honor. I don't think they did that for anybody else. I never saw anybody else. Or uh, nor was I told by my good friend, the sales manager, Lim Lepper, that anybody else was ever invited to their opening of the books to be a part of it. <clears throat> so obviously, they only talked to me about Southeastern. I mean, they didn't uh, disclose any other numbers. Uh, they they had me there for that reason. And the sales manager, Lim Lepper, he would always let me know after the meeting how I was doing compared to other clients and programs at the station, you know, and he kept me informed of, you know, of, of how important Southeastern was to that television station. The numbers were down compared to the February book, but that was always the case because more people were at home and watching TV in the winter. It's cold. They got nothing else to do. When it gets May, they're running to the lakes in that part of the country <laughs> all around here. And, uh, mm -hmm. Numbers were always down in May compared to February book. I always was focused on the share of the audience rather than the number of viewers. The two May books in 1977 both had us with a 75 share of the total audience watching TV between 2 and 3 o'clock on Saturdays. God. And so, yeah, and that meant... To me, you know, I, and, and I had to have Lynn Lepper explain these things to me uh, starting in 75. But by now, when I saw the, the 75, I was like, oh, wow. So that meant that three quarters of all the TV sets that were on and in that viewing range were watching wrestling. Kind of why you got invited to that meeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So yeah, and and that number, that number, when you consider it, had was divided by four different TV stations: CBS, you had yeah. an NBC, you had an ABC, and there was an independent station by then in Knoxville. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm pretty sure, without a doubt, uh, we were probably one of the only shows, if not the only show, including the networks and their programming, that got a 75 share. So these were figures that would go with me and my father to that TV station in Cincinnati whenever we got that opportunity. So uh, I want to thank you, Mr. Miller, for your enlightened question today. And uh, I'm sorry we weren't able to get to it last week. Uh, so, Dave, uh, how do these numbers compare with some of the big radio stations that you, you've worked with? They don't. <laughs> they just absolutely don't. And that's incredible that three-quarters of all TVs that were turned on were turned to your program. So the other 25% were divided between, uh, you said there were a total of four stations. So uh, any, if, it, if it was not your show, people just were not watching at all. That's incredible. If you're, you're talking three quarters of the audience, in our case, on a 100,000 watt radio station, and that's as large as they get on, the, on FM, uh, then you're, you're probably a big number would be 
like a 16 or 17 share, and you're talking a 75 share. So we would be talking, you're talking three quarters of the audience. We're talking 17% of the audience, which would be a huge number for uh, a market like Dothan, Alabama, that might have uh, as many as 15 radio stations. So having that portion of the audience tuned in is pretty big for a market like Dothan. But what you're talking about is just absolutely way over the top phenomenal. So that's, so that's why you got invited. <laughs> and I kind of figured why, that. Yeah, that's why they love selling advertisement during your show. Good God. Yeah, yeah. Lynn used to tell me, uh, Lynn Leopard, the sales manager, he said, uh, Ron, uh, everything else on Saturday mornings from sign on to prime time is an average of uh, $100. He says, your show is 300 Yeah, yeah. And, and see, he, he knew that. The, the lean-in to your show because people would turn their TV dial 30 minutes early, one hour, don't miss wrestling, is coming on at what, what time, one o'clock? So they were setting their, the TV was on that channel at 12 o'clock, at 10.30, who knows? So they were setting it up so they it was a not, it was a can't miss program. That is that is incredible, and that is legendary. You do, You absolutely don't see that anymore today. All right, listen, folks, this has been another incredible studcast. And we're so proud that you're a part of it on Facebook to become friends with Ron on Facebook. Do not go to his Ron Fuller Welch page. It is full at this time. Go to his Ron Fuller, the Tennessee stud Facebook page. Then simply follow him there and automatically become friends with a legend on Twitter and Instagram. Follow him at Ron Fuller Welch. The next super studcast number 43 Part one is now available. It's groundbreaking for the stud. He interviews one of the new generation TV commentators from WWE, Ring of Honor, and now New Japan Wrestling fame. Kevin Kelly has paid his dues after 30 successful years in the sport. Kevin recalls fascinating facts about today's wrestling companies and personalities and his great appreciation for Ron's history, his stud cast, and super stud cast. TNstud.com or patreon.com slash studcast. Three hours for only $2.99. After this show today, we'll be able to hear Ron's tribute to Paul Orndorff in part two on Tuesday, July 27th. So definitely don't miss that. And listen, definitely don't miss this. The best old school DVDs out there. The Southeastern Continental Collector's Edition. Five DVD pack, 67 matches, more than 12 hours of tremendous action. Many stars in these DVDs went on to become superstars. See for yourself why these two companies lit up the wrestling world. Own your piece of pure wrestling history at tnstud.com. Click stud store. Only $39.99 with free shipping. And don't forget Brutus. Brutus cannot be stopped it's a man-eating lion tragically ending up in the great smoky mountains national park imagine that a worldwide panic begins more than 50 five-star ratings on amazon it's the next jaw some say hey you gotta check it out get the book or the special autographed copy at tnstud.com click stud store with free shipping or amazon.com brutus novel Read the thriller before the movie comes out. And subscribe today for Ron's YouTube channel, Southeastern Rewind. Ring the bell and the matches will begin as Southeastern Continental and USA TV shows are added each week. Don't miss Mac, the man who saved Southeastern Tribute and the never-before-heard Funk Brothers interview that is now with video. From 27 years ago, saddle up now at YouTube, Southeastern Rewind, ring the bell, and begin your ride into old school history. Man, this was fun today, Ron. So where do we ride to next week? How do you top it, bro? I don't know, my man. We still, we're still we going to work at it, I'll tell you that. Uh, you know, we got to have another day's training next week. Uh, we're going to try to educate our fans, man, uh, take you one of those deep dives. 
into how wrestling was done many, many years ago and in the old school days. So next week's focus, we're going to be uh, focusing on July 15th, 1977. And I'm going to be returning to the ring after this injury. I'm well and back, and I'm going to be in a six-man tag. I'm going to have a partner, my brother Robert, and Bob Armstrong going to be my partner. And we're going to be in that ring against Mr. Knoxville, Bob Orton Jr., and the black fan from the crowd that attacked my brother the week before. Sylvester Ritter what is his name. He's going to be the future junkyard dog in Louisiana. I mean, uh, this guy is, he's, he's a real youngster. Uh, he's been getting some training by Ronnie Garvin and Bob Orton Jr. And they, they talk him into helping him out in the match in the ring, coming out of the crowd. And he's going to actually be in the ring, one of his first matches ever. And uh, later on, it's going to be years down the road. He's going to become one of the most famous wrestlers in history. No doubt. So, Joe Duke is going to uh, officially begin that war with the Mongolian Stomper that uh, started way, way back. You know, uh, when you know Stomper came in with the tug of war, now LaDuke's got his money. And uh, what's going to happen in this next week, it's going to be with the beginning of the war between LaDuke and the Stomper. The Southeastern title is on the line, and so is the $5,000 from the Battle Royal. So learning tree question, going to be another great one as always. Just uh, join us next week. We're going to, we're going to try to uh, keep it going, Dave. You know, we're in a tremendous time frame. Southeastern is literally on fire. Mm-hmm. We're drawing crowds that no city of the size of Knoxville are even getting close to anywhere in the world. And uh, we're going to be talking about it next week again. And I want to thank everybody, obviously, for listening today. And for signing up, all of you, for the YouTube Southeastern Rewind channel. Hope you enjoyed the show today. And please tell your friends about us and take care of yourselves. May God bless us all. For Ron Fuller, this is David Summers thanking you for joining us and reminding you that Ron Fuller's Studcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us today for this historic Studcast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. One, two, three. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains. <laughs>